0: From the Partnership for Public Service, you're listening to Transition Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at presidential transitions. I'm David Marchik. On Transition Lab, you'll hear candid discussions with former presidential chiefs of staff, transition teams leads, and other presidential transition experts. It's a must-listen for anyone interested in developing a better understanding of of what needs to happen before a president takes office. Think about it. A presidential transition is the single largest takeover of any entity in the world. 4,000 political appointees, 1,200 of them need to be confirmed by the Senate, a $4.7 trillion budget, and almost 4 million employees. History has taught us that a successful presidency begins with a successful transition. The economy, our national defense, foreign policy, they all require a complex but seamless handoff to ensure the tranquility and prosperity of our nation. We're going to hear from former Bush Chief of Staff Josh Bolton. You've got to be ready. You don't have a choice. You can't say, uh, let's hold this off for a week. <laughs> right. You can't go to John Podesta was the chief, outgoing Chief of Staff at the <laughs> time. You can't go to Podesta and say... Yeah, we're we're not really quite ready. Can you can you hang on right. for another couple of weeks right. while we do it? So you you don't have any choice to be ready. We had several advantages on the Bush team. One is that it it was a a well-organized, coherent team uh, with a leader who valued all of that. And the second is that we had Clay Johnson already underway. Uh we had a vice president elect who was deeply experienced in government and could be deployed to to help with the transition and actually to lead it. Former Obama Chief of Staff, Dennis McDonough.
1: The transition was happening in a state of war and it was important to recall that and to make sure that there was no slip from cup to lips in the context of the transition. Because I think it is, it's worth taking a, a moment here to just recognize that the transition is set by the Constitution. It's set quite clearly, which means our adversaries know that too. And we can't give them any impression that somehow in the midst of this handoff that we're somehow losing track of important objectives.
0: Rich Bagger, who led the Trump transition effort, like what an, uh, an opportunity to, to
1: have, to be asked, to put together a team that is going to work on planning for the transition of power. So while I had no experience in the area whatsoever, business experience, government experience, but no experience with a presidential transition, jumped at the opportunity to get involved. And you're the end the of one, the one, the, the one person. So what do you do next? Well, for me, literally what I did is I took the playbook, the binder and materials from the partnership meeting in New York, got a hold of the transition guide published by the Partnership for Public Service, as well as the book that had been published by the Romney transition team following 2012, and then said, I am to need to get together and meet with some people who've done this before. We had a, a full-day meeting with the leadership of the Romney transition team from 2012 to talk with them about how they approached the mm-hmm. task, ask a lot of questions, uh, and then met at the partnership uh, literally within, uh, within a week or so of uh, taking on the role to both ask questions, to get, get briefed, and to, to learn about the resources that were available uh, through the partnership uh, to support work on transition planning.
0: Ed Meyer, who ran Hillary Clinton's transition team in 2016 we really emphasized with our team that this was a a a real responsibility that we were preparing for governing and in in that sense you know we weren't sitting around trying to think of the next political hit to to throw at candidate Trump, we were solely focused on how we were going to take the promises that Secretary Clinton was making on the campaign and implement those into the first 100, 200 days of hopefully a presidency. And in that sense, it felt more like governing than it did politicking. And that's what it was. Rich was a colleague in a sense more than a a political competitor, because we were learning about transition and really working on this great responsibility to to move into a, a governing phase. Michelle Flournoy, the former Undersecretary of Defense for Policy,
2: it gave us a great sense of responsibility and urgency to really understand where we were uh, on Iraq, but also on Afghanistan. Remember, once Iraq started in two thousand three, Afghanistan essentially became an economy of force mission, and frankly, it, it it started going downhill. So. President Obama inherited a deteriorating situation in Afghanistan that required sort of immediate attention. So we did spend a fair amount of time on that. I think Gates had been brought in to try to change the trajectory of the war, and that did happen on his watch. And by the time Obama came in, the Bush administration was already implementing a phased transition approach, which means that, you know, they had built up the Iraqi security forces, they were starting to hand off responsibility for certain provinces as certain conditions were met. And so a lot of the, the core thrust of the Iraq Review was to continue that process.
0: Chris Liu, who ran President Obama's transition effort in 2008.
3: That's a very funny thing because if and when a winner is declared, GSA, the General Services Administration, which basically controls about $8 million of federal funding in addition to a, a big office building, would essentially declare somebody a winner and then they would essentially sign a memorandum that would give you access to all of that. I think both sides, the McCain and the Obama folks, pre-signed so that we didn't have to be there whenever they called the election. And so at GSA headquarters, this was the big deal. Jim Williams, the acting administrator, standing there with cameras and his press people, you know, he sees the election results and then he signs on his half. And there's a letter that says, I certify that Senator Obama is the president-elect and that's part of, uh, you know, whatever statute we give you basically the keys to the castle calls me up with all of his reporters around uh, press folks to, to, to basically read me this letter and I had just like was out cold. I had fallen asleep on the couch and, and missed every one of the phone calls and so um, I have a nice framed copy of that letter but on election night <laughs> I fell asleep.
0: If you want to hear from these experts and others please subscribe to Transition Lab on your favorite podcast app. I'm David Marchik and thanks for joining